when I found you. I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, something truly special. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Why, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the IPC podcast, also known as the Intergalactic Peace Coalition. And we are broadcasting live right here on channel 1138.com, but also coming to you through the power of of iTunes and Google Play and StarWarsUnderworld.com. And speaking of which, we're going to be talking more Star Wars tonight. This is getting down to it, guys. We are dangerously close to the release of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. I think something like 14 days away as of recording this. Insane. And as you know, we've been doing a year-long countdown to... The Rise of Skywalker, and we're going to be getting to that very, very shortly with a discussion on The Last Jedi. It's going to be 
a heck of a lot of fun. And sparks will fly probably, probably, because just just wait and see. We'll, we'll see how this goes. But before we get into that, of course, introductions are in order if you are new to the program or just have no idea what's going on. My name is Ben, and joining me, he's been in and out, and we're glad to have him in this week with us. Mr. Zach Arnold, how's it going? Hey, man. I'm really excited to be back, and uh, particularly for this episode, uh, getting closer and closer and closer to the rise of Skywalker and uh, getting ample opportunity to uh, to discuss this, uh, this next installment of the Star Wars saga with The Last Jedi. And, uh, yeah, I feel like there's going to be a few sparks here and there, but I brought some, uh, some extra layers so that I don't get singed too much, but, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes and I'm really looking forward to, uh, traveling out to California in a couple of weeks, getting to hang out in person. The, the hype is real. That is for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And also joining us, he's been our wingman for the past few months, good friend of ours and our co-host for tonight, Mr. Jake Damon. How's it going, man? I'm both simultaneously happy that you guys get to go to California, but sad and depressed that I don't get to go. Yeah, that's that's how could you do this to me? Hey, we invited you like months in advance. You just couldn't get off work like I could. I do believe I asked right. you before last Christmas. Last Christmas. You did. I gave you my heart. I had heart. plenty of time to change careers, but I didn't, and now I'm paying the price. Hello, everyone. I am I'm also both simultaneously ready and not ready to talk about this because I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth. I have no idea what's going to come out of your guys' mouths, but it's going to make for something interesting, I think. And uh, let's dive right into it. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, Real quick, though, because something happened today, I think we need to address really quick. And I'm not sure we're going to get into spoilers because some of you may not have seen it yet, even though it's been out there for almost 24 hours. The newest episode of The Mandalorian, Chapter 5, called The Gunslinger. I saw it. We've all seen it here. And Zach, by all means, give your spoiler-free thoughts really quick. Yeah, I mean, I've only seen it once because I just saw it like as soon as I got home from work. That was kind of the thing that got me driving through the day was, A, I've got homework that I'm supposed to be working on. B, I wanted to see Mandalorian. And C, I was prepping for this podcast. So... I really tried to get done and get home as quick as I could. I thought I was making good time, and then I didn't get home till 5, which was eh, kind of early, kind of not. But point being, I saw this as soon as I got home, and it did not disappoint. It's one of those things that's it's very unique about this particular show, is that it builds on previous episodes, but at the same time has this way of standing on its own two feet as well. Like, if you just watched episode five, The Gunslinger, I feel like you'd have a pretty good context of everything else that had happened in the previous four episodes without having to watch it. And I think that's a testament to really great storytelling and really great writing and just really solid acting. You know, they bring across everything that needs to be brought across in a short amount of time. 
but it, it's it's one of those episodes that <clears throat> is super super entertaining, but also got some really interesting action sequences to it. Uh, I'm not going to go into a whole whole lot of spoilers, but there were several really great pieces of action, particularly in the first five minutes and the last five minutes, that were just awesome to watch. And and the the fact that we return to Tatooine, I know that's a bit of a spoiler, but this return to Tatooine, a lot of people thought that it's that you know this planet's <laughs> overdone, but this actually fits the context of everything that we've been watching up to this point. And still ties it into a piece of the Star Wars universe that we know and love. Pedro Pascal is awesome in this episode. Ming-Na Wen, you know, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Mulan, and God knows what else. She is fantastic in this episode. It's just, it's really fun to watch. It feels like Star Wars so incredibly much. And yet, at the same time, also reminds me of shows like Firefly, Star Trek The Next Generation, Doctor Who, and so much more. Really, really enjoyed this episode. Potentially my favorite episode of the season so far. I might have to watch it again, but I feel that, like it's, it's, in, it's in the running for it. That's great to hear because I've heard a lot of more, more negative feedback about this episode than I have any of the previous episodes, personally speaking. I haven't talked to everyone, but I've, I've just heard some things. And I, I agree with some of them. I don't agree with others. I really enjoyed it, and it was probably because of that, just the amount of nostalgia and fan service they managed to pack into this episode. And as you said, this does feature, spoiler alert, a return to Tatooine. <clears throat> And I think you can kind of guess where it goes from there in regards to like the stuff that you see. And there's some there's some interesting things that happen that I did not see coming. And I was cheering, cheering, literally cheering watching this episode. It was amazing. Um, but Jake, mostly spoiler free thoughts on the gunslinger. Well, like you said, there's a lot of fan service in this episode, which I am always a fan of. No pun intended. Oh, I, I see what you did I, there. <laughs> I'm not the I'm not one of those people that rolls their eyes at fan service. Anytime I see it, I I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm so glad they put that in there. Um, so yes, there's lots of fan service, lots of like you said, cheering moments where you're like, oh my gosh, the, the, I'm looking at that right now. Um, and considering where this episode goes, uh, both literally and figuratively, and you know, taking into account some. Um, you know, without spoilers, some, some things we may see toward the very, very, very end. Um, all I can really say about this is it feels like the best Star Wars fan film ever made. And I mean that in the best possible way. I, I know what you're saying there. I really do. I, I, yeah, I, so, I, yes. I definitely get that. I, I liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. did too. I, well, I, I think it's probably my favorite episode of the season like it, it's neck and neck with uh episode three i think but it's very close yeah yeah I, I i don't know if it's my favorite but i really did enjoy it and just so much good stuff and yeah there's some there's some things there's one thing in particular that kind of bummed me out about this episode that i didn't i wasn't a huge fan of but I don't have to go into major spoilers to explain why, so I'm not going to do that. So uh, you definitely, <laughs> I was going to say that there were there were like as much as I liked this episode, there were definitely a few things where I, like I was talking to my brother 
after we both watched it and we both agreed there was like one thing in particular that stood out that both of us were just like why was that in there but other than that i think it was pretty good <laughs> yeah i totally like there are certain things about this this show this show overall that's just like it's gritty it's fun and it's absolutely bonkers and weird sometimes that's the key mm-hmm. thing for the show like it is holiday special. There's a reason they referenced the holiday special in the first episode because it delves into that weird, wacky side of Star Wars. And I'm here for it. I'm all for it. That's the part that I love. Um, but there's some other things that that came along. But I think overall, where this episode sets it up could be really interesting going forward. But uh, yeah, I uh, yeah. Yeah. Again, well, I, I can't wait to watch it again. With, with that. Yeah, I I don't know if you guys remember this part. I I don't think this is a really big spoiler or anything, but because we've seen people riding speeder bikes in the trailers and stuff. But there there's one scene in here that might be my favorite part of the entire show so far. And I don't know why I like this so much. It just had to do with like the music and the energy of the scene or whatever. But when they first start start going off on the speeder bikes and like take off over that dune and the music starts playing. I, there, I just loved that so much. Like I, I kept rewatching that scene because I loved it. Yeah, there's some incredible stuff in here that, yeah, I, I did not expect some of it in this episode, especially. Um, but yeah, so good. Okay, so I think it's time. I think it, this is this is it, guys. This is what we have to do. We have to discuss the Last Jedi. Do we have to again? Again, this is a revisited <laughs> episode. We've already discussed it once. Now we have to discuss it again. And Zach, you're up first, man. I'm just gonna I'm throwing it at you, going oh in your face. So oh I know I was with you. I was there when it happened. When we saw this movie, you were there and... when it happened. You make it sound like the Last Jedi was 9/11 or something. <laughs> oh God, um, you guys see every Star Wars movie without me. Um, and only the ones you don't go to, which is pretty much every one. So <laughs> <laughs> Damn and it, Jake! We're just gonna kidnap you. Yeah, it's just gonna happen. You know, you we'll just get the alcohol out again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dangerous what? thing, folks. I I had bourbon before we did the show, and now Jake's going to the rum. It sounds like. Yeah, this is gonna be a fun episode, guys. Really fun. <laughs> <laughs> Zach. I was there. I know we all had mixed feelings about this movie, but for me personally, my feelings have changed about this movie. Some, most for the for the good, some for the bad. I want to get your take on this. How has your opinion since the last time we spoke, a couple years ago, on this podcast? Yeah. How has your opinion changed on this film, well, if at all? Well, I, I tell you, the the interesting thing about about this is we're about two years removed from the last Jedi. Now, can you, can you believe that it came out in December of 2017 and it's December of 2019. Now this this movie has been released for almost two years. So, I mean, we've definitely had a lot of time to talk about it and process it and dissect it and discuss it and see other people's opinions and express our own. And it's still heavily debated on (laughs) social media platforms like, Facebook and and Twitter and stuff, and it's led to some really divisive commentaries over the over the last two years, and I, I think the 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 interesting thing that I had to my benefit the last time we watched it was when we did Jedi Pod 
it was a huge undertaking with lots of different voices on the show. And I just kind of assumed the responsibility of delegating questions to everybody else. You know, oh. I, I would ask other people's questions. I would ask other people's opinions. I would open the floor for discussion after a certain question was posed. I tried to keep myself as far away from actually joining the discussion as I possibly could because I really didn't have very many good things to say about this movie. After watching it a few more times over the last couple of years, I do have some nicer things to say about it. However, the nicest thing I can say about this movie is that I find it to be a bit of a mixed bag. It has some moments where it shines brightly and it's absolutely stunning and glorious. And then it has other Mm -hmm. moments that just make me cringe. And it's disappointing because there have been a lot of Star Wars movies where I just, I watch it and I enjoy it for what it is and I appreciate it for what it is. And the more I watch it, the more I find stuff that's redeeming about it. But for some reason, I don't, have that same ability with The Last Jedi yet. Perhaps I need to watch it a few more times so that it can continue to grow on me. I I do think that it's one of those films that the more you watch it, the more it grows on you. It's kind of like coffee. It's a bit of an acquired taste. But I myself just have not acquired that taste very well yet. I do have some things that I'm going to praise about it tonight, but most of what I'm going to have are complaints. That's fair. And that's kind of what I expected. Kind of what I expected. Um, At least so I'm consistent. That, yes, exactly. And that's going to be very interesting. Before we get into that, Jacob Damon. Jake of Damon? Oh, Jacob Damon. Okay. Yeah. Took, either I am either Jake or. of Damon. You are Sir Jake of yes. House Damon. <laughs> so I, oh, I know. Game of Thrones on. I know you had some complicated feelings about this movie, too, back in the day when it first came out. And I know your opinion has shifted somewhat, but where are you sitting now in regards to how you felt originally coming out of the theater for the first time? Well, to give you guys some context, uh, I mean, you guys kind of already know, but people listening, when I first came out of this Star Wars movie, I thought for sure it was my favorite Star Wars movie, like by, by a lot. And since then, I've rewatched it a couple times and well, more than a couple times. I've probably seen it, you know, close to 10 times since I watched it in the theater the first time. I've seen a lot of times since then. And I feel like every single time I watch it, I have a different feeling towards it. And, you know, to say that, you know, to to say that I honestly have a cemented opinion of this movie And that that's the opinion that I'm going to keep forever would just be kind of dishonest because I feel like whatever I say tonight, I could watch it again tomorrow and feel completely differently. So all I can tell you is based on the things that are in the movie and, you know, the the facts and I, I could give you some things that that. I probably won't feel differently about from time to time, but there's so many other things that I do feel differently about every single time I watch it. Basically I I've had this movie so low on my star Wars list that it might as well be the last one. I mean, you know, it's been in the last three. Um, it, I don't know. I have complicated, I have a complicated relationship with this movie 
And uh, I'm kind of interested in talking through those tonight because I I haven't really talked about them very much with people since, you know, since the uh, the first viewing at least. And um, I mean, there, there was a whole period of time where everybody was arguing about it for like six months and it was insane. And I'm so glad we're kind of over that right now. So hopefully with this, uh, I can go into it with a fresh mind and uh, talk about it with you guys. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, for me, it's it's been a com- long, complicated road for me with Last Jedi. Um, and it started that night when we first saw it and I was very conflicted. I've never been more conflicted about something in my life, you know, or at least a movie in my life quite like that, quite like that moment. And I remember saying to Chris, I think I said, I could, this could be my favorite star Wars movie. It could be my least favorite star Wars movie. I wasn't, I didn't have a negative reaction, but I didn't have a positive reaction either. And it was definitely just something wasn't sitting right with me. And, you know, I, I'll maybe get into a few of those things tonight. And, you know, there, there's a multitude of things that I think are, are issues with this movie. It's not a perfect film. And when, when I go on Twitter and you see the continuing discussions, not discussions from two years ago, discussions like right this second, you can go on Twitter and see people arguing about, it's the worst movie ever. It's the best movie ever. And some people think it's a masterpiece. <clears throat> Other people think it's a an abomination. And I'm like, I don't really agree with either of you. I don't see this movie as nearly as as terrible as people, some people on the internet think it is. But I'm also not in the camp of it's the best Star Wars movie. It's my favorite Star Wars movie. It's a masterpiece. It's perfect. I, I'm not in that camp either. I have issues with this film. And overall, it's I've kind of chalked it up to it. I really have a similar relationship that I have with it to any other Star Wars film, especially kind of the more maligned ones, you know, going back to the prequels. I've always been a huge prequel fan, but I've also over the years been able to accept that, hey, you know, those movies aren't perfect, but I still love them. I, I still enjoy them and I accept them more than all. I've kind of had a similar relationship with this movie. And, you know, the longer you sit with something, the more you watch it. The less things – I mean sometimes, sometimes with certain movies, the warts tend to shine through more, and sometimes they kind of fade away. For me, I tend to take and remember what I like about a movie, what I like about a Star Wars movie. And with Last Jedi, and I think despite any problems that I have, and I can be very critical of this movie – and almost sound like I hate it sometimes, given the right circumstances. But I can also, overall, I think I like in this movie, I like way more than I dislike in this movie. And I think there's way more good than there is bad. So, like I said, it's it's been a long road. It took me several times to just go, okay, I can live with this movie. It just took a few times and maybe that's the kind of a, a dismissal of the movie is that you shouldn't have to watch it more than once to like it but with this movie it's just i mean it's just the nature of this film i think ultimately is a film that is designed to go against your expectations go against what you expected and 
do something with Star Wars that's never been done before and just go to interesting places. And it was bound to piss some people off, unfortunately. It just was going to happen because Ryan Johnson decided to do some very interesting things with this movie. Some of them landed for some people. Others didn't. And, you know, they were so polarizing that it was going to split the fan base, quote unquote. Like, it just was going to happen. Um, but I still, at the end of the day, I appreciate this film. I appreciate Ryan Johnson for what he did. Even when I don't agree with some of his choices, I appreciate where he was going with us and the place he was coming from in regards to the final product that we got. So all that's to say is I love The Last Jedi just like I love every other Star Wars film. And that's about it. And I can probably I'll, – I'll try to delve into my darker side here tonight and, and find something I don't like because <laughs> – you know, I, I don't dwell on those things, normally speaking, so it's it's not something that I do, normally speaking, but I do have issues with this movie, as we'll get into. But let's, let's start off on the positive note. Hmm. Let's start off with one thing you like. It's not the thing that you most like, but something that you like, or, or more appropriately, love about this movie. Jake. Do you have something that sticks out in your head that you love about The Last Jedi? <sighs> uh, overall, the movie feels like a really fun adventure, I guess. Like, even... You guess. even um, Sorry? Nothing. Oh, what? Oh. Nothing. S- sorry, I I'm gonna, thought you I'm going to eat, eat candy and shut up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. To me, the movie just felt like a really fun adventure, and there were there were times when it felt like that adventure just kind of came to a complete stop and you're like, what are we doing here? But anytime that they were on this adventure, it felt like like we were having a good time, you know, and I I thought that a lot of the characters that were introduced in this that we haven't seen in any other Star Wars movie were I I thought were really fun. Um, and. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's easy to look at something that's new and go, I don't like this right off the bat. And I feel like upon rewatch, you know, like anybody who saw star Wars for the first time back in 1997, all those characters were new. And, and I just, I feel like sometimes you need a little bit of time, uh, for things to grow on you. But yeah, I, I really liked some of the newer characters in here. And as as much as I don't support how fans treated, uh, um, I'm sorry. Who played uh, Rose Tico? Uh, that was Kelly Marie Tran. Kelly Marie Tran. Thank you. As much as I don't think that that's right at all, like the the way they treated her, I I I still don't think she she's one of my favorites. Which you know I I hesitate to say that because I, I I'm trying to be positive. It's gonna make you sound like she a, was a weak racist point for and me. a sexist, Jake. Stop that. Right? Yeah, I would ha- I would hate to uh, come across that way. I, I really don't want to come across that way at all. But that's that's just my my personal opinion. You know, like there's if a if a character isn't written as as well as some of the others or her motivations or his motivations or whatever aren't necessarily clear it's going to it's going to kind of fall apart no matter what i think and i think rose tico it just kind of felt like a a, a crammed in character in my opinion but um 
but I feel less that way. Sometimes there are other times that I watch, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's hard to, to figure all that out. But yeah, as far as positives, it just felt like a really fun adventure. I totally get that. Yeah, I totally get that. And, and with Rose, I, uh, it, it's sad that the discourse around Rose just went south because, you know, as you said, like a bunch of racists basically just hijacked it all. And, and now it's, it's hard to even have a discussion about it, except either someone is, is actually being racist or someone is calling you a racist in regards to that character. And which I think a large majority of people are not that way. But there is a small minority of people that do, for some reason, have that opinion, which is dumb. But Rose is not my favorite character either, as far as it goes. I appreciate her for what she is. I I like some of her dialogue. She's not my favorite. Um, but I mean, I can even see why some people don't care for her. That's fine. But uh, you know, as for me, shoot. It's 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 hard. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to Zach. Do you have something? You have one big like or love about this movie, so you can give me time to think about mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I I think I got something that would work pretty well. Um, there were there were a lot of elements in this film that were visually captivating. There there were a lot of really interesting and different aspects as far as the visuals are concerned whether that be the cgi whether that be the costumes it could be the sets the cinematography uh shot selection locations it just it felt very star wars but also felt very different at the same time and to provide us with an with a unique blend of both of those it was almost as if each location had its own aura if you will and and mm. every time you you were kind of entering into that part of the world, the environment helped set the tone, whether that be the the bright lights and the the beacons of hope on board the resistance ships, or it could be the deep reds of Snoke's throne room, or it could be the the isolation, the sense of isolation that you get on Octu. You know, everything about everything kind of helped you understand where the characters were coming from without ever having to say a word. Um, and so, you know, the the way that they looked, the way that they behaved, the way they responded to their environment, that really kind of helped set the tone for how this movie was going to go. I, and Jake, I, I feel like this is this this might have been one of the things that that stood out to you when you first watched it, because I just, I know how creative and how visual you are. And I, the more I watch this film, the more I recognize how stellar the visuals are in this movie. And I can totally get how that can be like the thing that draws you in. That could be the first impression you get, the first thing that captivates you. And then the ensuing watches kind of, like fill in everything else that you might not have caught the first time around. My problem is, well, my, my, my problem is I was like the complete opposite. I'm just now getting to appreciate the visuals because as a writer, I had a lot of problems with the script of this film. So I can praise the visuals mm-hmm. now, but it was definitely not the forefront of my mind on my first viewing. 
Yeah. Well, I'm I, glad that you mentioned that. Well, I just wanted to fill in a little bit uh, because I, I I would be remiss to not mention the visuals because I think that's the absolute strongest thing this movie has going for it. There are so yeah. many shots in here that are just like mm-hmm. gorgeous, like so, like uh, undeniably, objectively, some of the best shots in Star Wars that are have been filmed, you know, and very creative things, very visually stunning things. And like you said, Zach, when I came out of the theater the first time, since I'm such a visual person, that's what resonated with me the most. And I think that's why it kind of tricked my brain into thinking it was the best star wars movie ever but yeah i I, upon rewatch i'm like okay this script needs some work but yeah sorry go ahead ben no no it's fine i kind of i kind of agree on both accounts um i think the script probably could have used a little another pass as i've heard people say um but i also i i think the visuals are absolutely something i think this is the most beautiful star wars film you've ever had I think this is the most visually yeah. stunning Star Wars film we've gotten so far. Hopefully Rise of Skywalker will top it, but it's it's going to be hard to top because this film, just the way the use of color, I mean, just down to taking crate, you know, as a design and having this white terrain that if you stir it up, it's it turns red. And it's just it, brilliant. So many brilliant, like cool designs and cool production designs. And someone, I'm someone that has, criticize the production design of this sequel trilogy just because you know you have kind of a lack of newer ships they've relied a lot on old designs like x-wings y-wings you know all those kind of stuff and i've been kind of disappointed with that and i I wish they would do more but at the same time last jedi in the sets and in the plant designs it's astounding how amazing this thing is and if you just watch it with the sound off i think it might be a better movie actually (laughs) Yeah, Actually, <laughs> you're not entirely wrong, my friend. Watch the score only version. That's I'm not. This isn't a diss on the accurate. movie. This is a. This is a. a, a Wait, that exists. Plus. Yes, there is a score only version. I can't remember. You think you have to go through movies anywhere? Which I can. I can hook you up. I can hook both of you up with that if you ever want to watch it. Um, I would love the link to that. It's great. Yeah. Let remind me later. I'll do that. Um, or anybody else. I'm sorry. I can't do it for everybody. I can only do it for my friends, but, uh, yeah, (laughs) that is great. That is wonderful. But getting to the thing that I like or that I love about this movie. And yes, the visuals are great. Yes. So many great things. But one thing that if I could pick out, it's a character and that character is Luke frickin Skywalker. And I know Mm. some people have an issue with this. I don't care. I'm sorry. I don't care. I think Luke Skywalker is absolutely perfect in this movie. I think Ryan Johnson, Mm -hmm. some aspects like, for example, Finn's arc. I think Finn's kind of characterization and his journey in the movie, I think, is left something to be desired. And I think there's some other things that kind of rub me the wrong way in regards to certain things in the movie. But Luke Skywalker is completely opposite for that for me. I think he absolutely nailed it. I think when he came into this movie, I think he had that plot. I think some of the other stuff kind of fell flat because he was so focused on Luke Skywalker and making that perfect. And he did. And I know Luke Skywalker's a coward. No, he's not. I think it's a both these films and we're going to see the next one in a couple weeks, literally. But, you know, we can assume that all three of these movies are a more realistic interpretation of what would have happened after the original trilogy. It's not 
as fantastical as the original trilogy, you know, the original trilogy is very fantasy. It's very fairy tale. Whereas the prequels and the sequels both have been, what's the realism behind this? How, how did the Republic fall? Well, how did the second Republic fall? And how, how would all this actually happen? How would these characters that we know and love would actually deal with the legacy that had been put on their shoulders at the end of Return of the Jedi? I think what Luke does in this movie is exactly what would happen and exactly what should happen. I, and I know, yeah, he goes and runs away, but I think it's, you know, his whole journey is like he kind of makes note of like, okay, there's this cycle of violence, and I don't want to be involved in this anymore. And in a weird way, he's actually doing a really selfless thing, which is sacrificing his friends, which Yoda told him to do back in Empire Strikes Back, but now he's doing it to potentially save the galaxy or to do We know that's misguided. We know that's wrong. He realizes it's wrong by the end of the movie, and that's why he comes back. And that ending is superb, and it's the most Jedi thing that's ever happened in Star Wars. Yeah, he's not there. That's the point. He never was there. You know, him coming to kill Kylo, that would have never made any sense. It makes total sense that it was just a ruse. It was just a thing where he never used violence. He only used you know, Kylo's anger against him and save the entire galaxy and save the resistance. And we'll see the fruits of his labor in Rise of Skywalker. But, you know, I think he died in the best way possible. And I know I didn't want to see Luke Skywalker die either. Uh, you know, I would have liked to have seen a more upbeat Luke Skywalker in this movie. But I think you had to tear him down to build him back up. I think Ryan Johnson found a way to do that. And also that made sense with Force Awakens, because like, how do you JJ really wrote him into a corner? You know, with him being on an island, like, how do you figure that out? I think Brian Johnson did a good job of taking from that, putting it back, and then bringing Luke Skywalker back to how we know him, how we knew him in the original trilogy at the end of this film. So that's my one that I give two big thumbs up for. Yeah. Anyone else? <laughs> I just, I have so many counterpoints, but I want them to be IPC rated. I tell you what. <laughs> I tell you what. Well, I'll tell you what. We're, we're, here's what's going to happen here. So we're, we're a bit short on time tonight, and this is going to be a shorter episode, but we're going to do an RIPC for The Last Jedi at some point. Uh, I, and hell, hell, I might even curse during that one. I might even curse. We might even get into it. But it's going to happen. So we're going we're gonna to follow up on this. We, we're kind of going to skim over things. I know I'm not skimming. I just talked at length about what I liked. I don't know when to shut up sometimes, so please somebody tell me to shut up at some point. But uh, I'm sorry. Zach, did you want to say anything else? I just here, – here's, here's, here's my big problem is – and, and I, I know that I'm probably in the minority here, but it does, I it – does, It does not matter what minority or majority is. That doesn't make your opinion more right or more wrong. We'll just put that out there. I, I developed a love for reading – by reading the Legends canon novels. Until that point, until I learned that those novels existed, I had almost no interest in novelization-type reading. Nothing that I read in school ever interested me. Nothing that I ever read outside of school, like the Narnia books or anything like that, ever really, really grabbed hold of me. But all I had to do was read... The Jedi Academy trilogy, which isn't even the best 
Legends trilogy, but it's still really good. All I had to do was read that trilogy, and all of a sudden I was, like, enamored with what happens beyond Episode six, And I know that it's unrealistic to ask for those things to be uh, emulated or replicated in this movie franchise. But to see how other really strong authors, to see how they were able to create Luke's character and expound upon him in such a creative manner in those books, and then to take a look at how Luke was written in The Last Jedi, and it's very disappointing to see that contrast. We have dozens of novels of a very deep, very rounded Luke Skywalker character. And then in this movie, we get a grumpy old codger who thinks that he ruined the galaxy by his efforts. And so he puts himself in timeout as punishment. Like, it's just, it's very, it feels very lazy to me. It felt very, very lazy. And yes, J.J. is a part of the problem by putting him on the island in the first place. But it just felt very lazy for him to be like, oh, I ruined everything. It's all my fault. I'm going to go hide and never come back. Like, it's just that that hubris that he keeps talking about is... It's just such a very far-fetched idea to me. It's so very far-flung. And it doesn't feel accessible. It doesn't feel attainable. And, you know, losing one apprentice, even if it is a, a family member, that just... That doesn't sound like a Jedi overcoming adversity. It sounds like somebody who's who's given up. And maybe that's meant to provide like the human side of a Jedi and, and not the legend or mm-hmm. the the savior of the galaxy kind of thing. I get that that's a lot of pressure on somebody. But we we just don't have that hero that we can cling on to in this movie. I never found a hero that I could latch on to because Ray was still learning. Poe was demoted. Finn was being a dick. Like, there was just nobody that I could really latch on to and feel like they are the hero of this story. It's all a bunch of people who either don't want to be heroes or don't know how to be heroes in a franchise that is centered around heroes. There was not really a hero in this story. And the one person that we expected to be the hero the most, Luke Skywalker, he didn't really serve that purpose. In my opinion, he died a very meaningless, needless death by projecting himself into the Force and and been succumbing to the Force after causing that distraction. There are a dozen other ways that a distraction could have been caused without Luke having to, to sacrifice himself that way. It's just, it doesn't feel like a hero's gambit. It doesn't feel like any heroic moves. And I just, I was disappointed with how he was written and how his story was finished. Because I know, I know that the Star Wars universe is capable of better. I've read it. And yet it wasn't. 
Um, just I think a big problem is, and this just go. It's like a it's a life thing. Like this happens a lot in life. Is when you know you you almost don't know how bad or good something is unless you have something to compare it to. And like you, Zach, you had examples of how the story of Luke Skywalker beyond the original trilogy could have gone, and it was you know at times very very good and interesting and compelling and and logical and in contrast with what we got here i can see how that would be extremely disappointing uh, here here's here here's my my other thing and then i'll i'll shut up and you guys can make counterpoints or change subjects or or what have you but this is this is a constant in the universe in my life and i've talked about it on this podcast several times over if I watch a movie and feel like I could have written a better script, then I feel like I wasted my time and I wasted my money. And it's not just <clears throat> Luke's character. It's several characters in this film. If I feel like I could have written their stories better, then I get mad. Because if I feel like I could have done something better for less money, then why are these people getting paid the big bucks for me to feel like I'm wasting my time? Mm-hmm. All I'm going to say right now is I, I didn't know I could disagree more with another human being about something more than I disagree with you right now. And that's okay. <laughs> wow. I literally, Fuck. I have, I have so many things, so many ways I could tell you how wrong you are, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. We're going to be here all night. I, I can't. I'm going to be the middle ground guy and say I can see both sides very well. I can understand why people who uh, who are familiar with Luke in the Legends uh, books, how they would be disappointed. And I can see why um, other others, you know, the other half of the group um, can see how Ben or uh, I'm sorry, how Luke's story progresses very logically. What I think is that there are you know, literally so many different ways the story could have gone that I'm not going to say that one is more realistic than the other. You know, it, it really just comes down to like what happens in this person's life and what choices do they make because of that. And we see flashbacks in this movie of what happened to Luke to make him become a hermit and live on an Island and uh, what happens to Ben. And it, it seems in my mind that that is a logical route that could have taken place. And if something different had happened, maybe we would have seen something more along the lines of what we get in the legends books. I can see both happening. I don't think either one is wrong. I, what I do think though is, you know, and the whole problem with the, the, uh, the people who are up in arms and fighting online about this is like, People are so passionate about their own version of what they wanted that if it yeah. doesn't happen, then, you know, that's when we get petitions started and all this stuff. I don't know. I, It's ridiculous. I, I think what it comes down to is it's okay to have your own opinion about something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that yours is more right than another person's. No, and, yeah. and I, I, don't, I don't consider mine better necessarily. I I just I'm I'm of this this mindset of I I dissect things from the way they're written and I I didn't see very much logic in the progression of the plot of the movie 
or the progression of yeah. certain big characters. Because to to me, going into solitude after failing one person is the the mark of a coward, not the mark of a hero. And that that's just not something that I ever saw in Luke's character up to that point. And to give us a thirty year gap where we see him spend, you know, twenty of that as a coward, I'm not a fan of. And my see, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead and then I'll I'll do my point. No, no, real quick, and we do need. Well, there is other things to talk about in the movie, so I, I won't dwell on this. <laughs> oh, I've, I, got, I, I, I've still got a lot more complaints, buddy. Buckle up. <laughs> but, uh, like, as you were saying, Jake, like you, you get it, and I'm, I'm also in that camp. I 100% disagree, but I totally get it. I'm not one of the people that goes, well, I don't understand what you're, well, how you could look at it that way. No, I get it. I totally get it. Why people mm-hmm. think that way and didn't like what was done to Luke Skywalker. I get it. I disagree with them and I will argue with them till the day I die. But, you know, that's just me. I think if I'm just going to pull myself out of it and all the opinions, I think one problem here is that you do have all the expectations of people reading the books, thinking about Luke Skywalker, what he's going to do after Return of the Jedi. And having those expectations for 30 years and then coming into this movie, I understand that that's a, that's a, that's a gobsmacking of a different storyline. And I think, I think the ultimate failure I think here is that we never got like in a perfect world episode seven, eight, nine would have been made in like the nineties or the eighties. And we would have had, you know, another trilogy with, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Princess Leia, but it's because they waited so long that not only were the characters and the actors too old, but it was time to move on. It was time to move on to different characters. And the reason Luke isn't the big hero in this movie is because it's not his movie. He is supposed to be supporting Rey and supporting these new characters. And I think he does that, but I think people wanted, people were yearning for another movie with Luke Skywalker in the center. And if he wasn't on an island or whatever, yeah, he would have been at the center stage. But that wouldn't have been the movie that they were trying to make or that I believe should have been made. So I think it is this back and forth about what the filmmakers had to do, what we did with what they were dealing with, as opposed to fans wanting certain things. I think, I don't know, it's 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 sad because I think it would have been great to have another movie Luke Skywalker being the new hero, but I think, you know, fans kind of have to accept the fact that these characters are coming into the salt fold. Um, it's a back and forth. I think it's not perfect. None of these movies are perfect, and you just got to deal with the, what you've got. But I think, like I said, I liked it. Some people don't. That's fine. We can have a discussion about it. That's what's great about this. It's not about dividing the fandom. It's about just, hey, let's have a discussion about what we disliked and liked about this movie. It's about conversation and being able to have a dialogue. The The problem is there are a lot of people out there that don't want to have a conversation and hear the other side of the equation because they feel like they are completely in the right. I know I'm not completely in the right, and I'm not really here to try and convince other people to join my side of things. I'm just here to express the things that I liked and I disliked about the film. Unfortunately, this time around, there just happened to be more dislikes than likes. I get it. I get it. Jake, you had something you wanted to say. I'm sorry. 
Well, like Zach, I, I know you said that it was just like, that's not how you see a hero acting. And the way I look at it is this is, this is a human story. All of our main characters in this, in this, this story, you know, a story that's full of aliens and and droids and things. They're human characters and it's a, it's a reflection of real life. And to me in real life, no matter how good a person is or appears to be, they are still flawed and they're still susceptible to uh, depression and negative feelings and, and, and making poor choices that they regret later. And to me, the whole theme of what the story of Luke is in this movie is that sometimes you know, past your prime when, when you're at your best, sometimes things get rocky after that. Sometimes things get, uh, bad and sometimes you lose your way. And this was kind of like Luke realizing what he actually, what he knew all along to be true, but was just ignoring. And I think that's just such a human thing because in, 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 in stories and movies and, in you know, books, we expect the hero to be the hero throughout. We expect the villain to be the villain throughout. And I thought that it was an interesting way to tell the hero story. Arguably one of you know, the biggest hero in modern pop culture, Luke Skywalker to show that he isn't a perfect person. He isn't a, a Mary Sue quote unquote. He's a, <laughs> he's a flawed individual. He's a human and, and he's going to have, human thoughts and emotions and and make choices that are human and i thought that was that's a I, to me that is a good way for me personally to look at it and not be frustrated by it fair enough fair enough okay so so we've talked about kind of the main legacy character i think leia has a part in it and i think she's great doesn't have a huge i think less controversial let's just say um beg to differ okay go at it what do you got uh she's basically now a mary poppins in space what the hell oh you're one of those i see (laughs) okay here's the thing you mean you mean the great you mean the greatest scene in all of star wars here's here's the deal what's really what's really conflicting for me about that particular scene is the Force Awakens and and this new trilogy in general has basically just been all about giving us these new Force powers that we've never seen before in the Star Wars universe. And some of them, like the ones that Kylo Ren has, are really, really cool. You know, to, to see someone be able to use the Force to extract information from someone who isn't a weak-minded individual... That is a testament to how strong in the Force he is. And obviously, he had to have gotten that from somewhere. No doy. He got it from his mama. I get it. I really do. His ability to stop blaster bolts mid-flight and just hold them there. I've never seen compressed laser held in the middle of, of an atmosphere like they do there. Even a Jedi as strong as Obi-Wan Kenobi never really did that. He just deflected the bolts with his lightsaber. There's never been anything done like that before. Luke using force projections at the end of the movie. It's something that we've never seen in the films before. 
It's new. It's innovative. It's shiny. The problem is it's also unnecessary. A lot of these different force powers just felt rather shoehorned in in this film. Luke's force projection from a writing perspective didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And Leia getting blown out into the vacuum of space and then somehow being able to open her eyes where there is no oxygen, there's no ability for movement. You know, like, I know that it's science fiction. I know that it's fantasy. Like, I know these things. But looking at that, I was just not able to suspend my disbelief. And the whole point of fantasy is being able to willingly suspend your disbelief long enough to enjoy the moment. And I never got to that point. Two years later, I'm still not at that point. If you want her to survive the explosion, then how about she not be on the bridge? Or how about she be holding on to something and then close the blast doors like they did in Revenge of the Sith? There's other ways for her to have like a near-death experience without having to look like a Mary Poppins in space. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's why this scene is great and why it matters and why it's I, I genuinely think I am not trolling when I say it's it's one of the best scenes of Star Wars. Um, and I think it's important for her character. I think Leia as a character was shortchanged from the get go because she was great established just as a heroine and was and was, you know, revolutionary for her time and was you know, great, but introducing her as the sister in the end and, and learning that she could have all this potential in the Force in Return of the Jedi, but she never gets to use it, ever. That was a huge just thing, a, a bad thing for that character, I think, and some probably shoddy writing from the original trilogy and just kind of some really bad retcons. But I think Ryan Johnson in this movie brought that back around and gave her and as we know now carrie fisher is no longer with it she's going to be in rise of skywalker but very limitedly using old footage this was the last chance you had to explore her force powers how she potentially used the force we know she didn't really become a jedi why is that we don't know yet yet but giving her a chance to show that she is strong with the force and she could use the force i think was extremely important for her character and yeah she could have been in another part of the ship whatever and maybe you know it looks a little weird whatever you know i know some people the visuals kind of throw them off it didn't do that for me and i think taking all that aside i think it's important to have her you know actually have a major role in this thing and 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 get to basically strut her stuff and say hey this is the daughter of the chosen one this is someone who thing and yes you know she gets blown out in space she can survive that because she's extremely powerful and that's, you know, that's, that's way it should be. Um, so that's my tag. Jake, you have any thoughts on this? Yeah. And I feel like, again, I'm going to be the middle of the road here and try and look for the positive in both of your guys's opinions. Cause you both have different opinions on this. One hates the scene. One thinks it's uh, incredibly important. I, I think that, I agree with both to an extent. I feel like there needs to be a scene somewhere that finally 
shows how Leia is strong in the Force yes. and gives us some yes. idea. Yes. The way they did it in this movie, I don't necessarily agree with. I think the Boom. that on paper, this probably sounded really good, but <laughs> I think on paper this sounded really good, but the execution wasn't necessarily the best at all. Boom. Um, like when I watch the scene, I kind of I kind of snicker a little bit because I'm like, really? Did they really do that? But I don't disagree with why they did it. I feel like something right. that would have been way more meaningful if I was writing the script, I would have a very uh, much less in your face scene where she's like sitting and she's like she's uh, contemplating something or she's like in meditation and uh, and she just uses the force to grab something like how how that kid at the very end grabs that uh, broom. I think something similar to that would have been much more well, effective. Well, but it's that that's that's still not as as drastic or impactful. It shows that she is strong with the force, but we don't really see how strong she is. I get that the point of this sequence is to show just what kind of strength she possesses with the force. The problem is it's just it's very hard to believe and it's very unrelated to anything that we've ever seen in Star Wars. It does make it unique to her, but all it really does is make her make her sparkle and make her shine for a few seconds as you just gawk at her finding her way back to the ship. It's like, wait a second, that just happened. Whereas the sequence that they did with the cutscenes between her and Ben as he's flying his starfighter and he's got like this moment where he senses her presence and he's got a decision to make about what he's going to do. Later on in the film, he talks about how it's time for the Resistance to die, it's time for the Jedi to die. Like he's, he's ready for all of that old to be over with. And I feel like it would have been a much more like true to his character if he went ahead and did fire on the bridge willingly knowing that his mom was there, but he also knew that the rest of the resistance would also be wiped out if he was sacrificing his mom. He's already sacrificed his dad. It would not be entirely out of character for him to do that. This is where Leia's power would have really been shown through, and it would have brought a connection to Kylo's powers from the previous film. Let's say he does decide to go ahead and shoot a couple of missiles at the bridge. He's got a clear shot. He takes it and he takes off. The missiles are coming at the bridge. It's a do or die moment. And Leia looks like she doesn't have a care in the world. Whereas in reality, she is harnessing her force powers to reach out to those missiles and redirect them away from the ship, either towards a couple of TIE fighters or towards each other. Now she is stopping missiles mid-flight, which is not anything anybody has ever done with their force powers before. Even Obi-Wan Kenobi had to release spare part canisters from his Jedi Starfighter. Nobody has ever used the force to redirect missiles or, or uh, Starfighter blaster bolts before. If she does that, not only does she save the bridge and herself, but she harnesses her force powers in a way that is relevant to a way that another member of her family has already done. If you want to show her power, that's a way mm -hmm. to do it without it seeming too far-fetched. And see, just to continue the disagreements here, I think that sounds really dumb. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, I don't like that at all. And I think what we got in the movie is much better. So there. <laughs> 
Why can't we be friends? Why can't we? This is the last episode of the IPC podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Her being We're in the vacuum of space and then magically waking up with no oxygen at her disposal. How in the hell does she do that? And then also find a way to grab onto some magical invisible bar in the bridge that has now been decimated and then somehow is able to survive all of that long enough to be able to stun Poe and then like, oh, I don't know, less than a day later she's up on her feet? Excuse me, madam, you just had a near-death experience in space, but 24 hours later, you're on a shuttlecraft down to crate. Wow, that should be the force power we're talking about. Is she like the Jedi version of Wolverine? <laughs> How in the hell does she heal that quickly? This whole movie This whole dude. movie is based on how you're on a time crunch and you've only got like 18 hours to save the day and Leia is up before they even land on crate. So like she just drifts into the vacuum of space and then heals in like 13 hours and then helps the shuttlecraft and what's left of the resistance make it down to the hidden base. What in the hell? That's what happens when you're a Skywalker. (laughs) That's the real question, is how does she heal so damn fast? My gosh. Everybody everybody heals fast. You see people fall off buildings, and then like, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, well, Luke didn't grow an arm back in Episode 5. I mean, I don't know. That made me power (laughs) in the Rise of Skywalker. I honestly think my biggest gripe about this whole scene, though, is how Akbar gets sucked out, like, almost unnoticeably. Yeah, it's like they had to remind us of that when Holdo assumed command. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, by the way, one of your favorite characters from uh, Return of the Jedi is favorite just... Favorite characters? Give me a break. Is just gone now. Akbar is no one's favorite character. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, Radis kind of uh, Radis, is the best Mon Cal. If they killed Radis like that, then I would agree with you. Then I'd be like, okay, this is a travesty. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, where, where Hashtag where Radis next? for life. Where do we go from here? We don't have a lot of time here, guys. I must hate to say it. Oh, Favorite what? scene. Favorite scene. Okay. We doing that. Are we doing that now? We can try. Yeah, we need I, no, we need positive now. I'll 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 start. I'll start. Um, the throne room scene is top 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 tier Star Wars thing. I, I dare say I think I don't know maybe not, but uh, I think most people can agree this scene is, is great and one of the best scenes in the movie. And it's just it's just and the fact that it's not a lightsaber duel. It's Rey and Kylo working together. And, you know, them taking on the Praetorians, which I, I admittedly going into the movie, like Praetorians are kind of dumb designs. I don't really like that. And I'm not saying I love the designs after the fact, but the fact that they served a purpose and were super badass in the movie, I can forgive that. So overall, throne room scene and all that happens in there is amazing for me. For me, it's a toss up because I have two favorite scenes in here and. I love watching them both. The first one is, of course, the throne room scene. I love the throne room scene so much. When I look up like a lightsaber fight on YouTube just to, you know, pass the time and and enjoy some some lightsaber f- dueling, uh, it's Duel of the Fates. It's uh, Obi Wan versus Anakin in Episode Three, and it's the throne room scene. I think this is top top tier 
lightsaber battle and it, they're not even fighting each other it's just them versus guards and it's amazing it's just so fun to watch i think the choreography is amazing i think there's like cool cool moments like when the the one guard gets thrown into the like the electricity and and it just kind of like blasts plastic out or you know whatever that's called um what's it called it's like a metal plastic hybrid or something like that i forget but um that's one of my favorite scenes and then the other one is when holdo goes light speed through snoke's ship that is unlike anything we've ever seen in star wars it's a thing where you go why haven't they used this before but i'm kind of glad they haven't because this was like a surprise and and uh you know if they had used it elsewhere this would just seem like oh yeah we've seen that before but this was just so fresh it was like what can we do that we've never done before and you know the the leia floating in space was like an example of how that might not be the best for everyone but i i don't think i've heard a single person uh, say that this scene was stupid. I think everybody I've I've talked to has said that this light speed scene was just amazing to watch, and I've seen it many 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 times. And uh, yeah, there's just it's it's quite a moment, you know. There's no dialogue, there's no nothing because there doesn't have to be. It's just something that you soak in and you're like, wow, that just happened. So yeah, yeah, you know, I I was I was. I was debating between that and another scene, but I think <clears throat> the beauty of that light speed sequence is that there are some things better left unspoken. Like you don't yes. have to have a whole mess of dialogue. You don't have to have, you know, her reciting some piece of ancient literature as she's going out in a blaze of glory. You know, it, basically all she said was Godspeed rebels. And then she made the sacrifice. Like, she knew what she was doing, she went ahead and did it, and it ended up helping save what was left of the Resistance. It's helped create the rise of Skywalker. Without her sacrifice, they wouldn't have made it to Crate. If they hadn't made it to Crate, they wouldn't have made it to the Falcon. If they hadn't made it to the Falcon, you know, it's this domino effect. And it all kind of mm-hmm. got started with her taking what was left of the Resistance fleet and utilizing it in the most effective way possible. And, yes, it it was at her expense, but she went out in a blaze of glory that, like you said, Jake, has never been seen before. And it was was visually captivating. The, The sound editing on that was fantastic because in that sequence, you actually do take into effect the vacuum of space. Unlike the Leia scene, the vacuum of space caused a delay for the sound of the explosion as the ship was moving into hyperdrive, like it was very detailed and very there's thought no out. air in space, there wouldn't be sound. Oh, so if there's no air in space, then how the hell did Leia survive? Because you can survive in space for a few seconds. Those few seconds oh were long expired during that John well, Williams score user, as she pulls it herself back. Out, all right care about science in one scene but you just forget about it in another scene oh i see how it is i i'm literally saying the same thing to you just flipping the sequences (laughs) (laughs) oh what is happening this is fun this is really fun um who's next was it it, did you did you say one zach yeah yeah the the whole that was your scene the whole whole maneuver is my scene The Holdo maneuver is definitely my scene because it it didn't require any scripting 
I that's one sequence that doesn't have anything like scripted that they had to say, which is my biggest complaint. I don't have any complaints about the visuals. It's visually stunning, and that scene was visually stunning. It's the writing and the character development that I have problems with. Well, and so in, in Star Wars in general, people love, oh, I love the dialogue. Oh, I love the music. That scene is a perfect example of stripping away the dialogue and the music and every sound effect and just letting the visuals do the talking. And it's amazing. Like one of the most visually stunning scenes in cinema history, I think, probably up there. Um, the only negative about it yeah. is the fact that we we lose Holdo, and I would have loved to have had uh, Laura Dern in The Rise of Skywalker, but we're not going to get that, unfortunately. Unless it's in a flashback or something. That's possible. Or maybe she survived that. Who knows? Now, see, that would be really questionable. That would open up a whole other can of worms that I just don't know if I'm ready for. Because I'm still not ready for space horses to be, like, riding on top of a Star Destroyer in space either. But apparently that's I, happening in the next I movie, too. I can't believe that's happening. It's, I, it's, I, I'm, I'm, in awe. I'm 90% sure it's upper atmosphere. Um, I mean, if that, if that oh, is okay. it, that yeah, that makes it so much better. It's limited air, not a complete absence of air. Yes, There's that's better. I'm excited breathe. for it now. I got to breathe harder. I got to breathe harder. Um, <laughs> look, look, if, if that is the case, if it is, is in space, I'll be right there with you doling out the science facts to, in a space fantasy movie. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a couple weeks. I have no idea where everyone's going to land on that movie. I hope we all like it, but you know what? We can ultimately, if we don't like it, we can have some civil discussion like we have had on tonight. <laughs> here's here's my prediction about that movie. I think that there's so much riding on this one being the last chapter of the Skywalker saga, and there was so much negative connotation of the one that came before it. I think this is going to be the most divisive uh, Star Wars movie after The Last Jedi. See, I don't want to say anything. Because I'm an idiot. Because I went in, no joke, I don't know if I actually told anyone this, but I went into Last Jedi thinking this is going to be the most beloved, non-controversial Star Wars film of all time. It's going to be more oh beloved the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> and as you can see, I am an absolute wow. imbecile. <laughs> <laughs> I think you cursed the film. I did. That. I did. I absolutely. It's all my fault. Ben, you're the jinx. <laughs> <laughs> Jinxed it. Yeah. Dang, dang it. Okay. Ben's well, I think on that note, I think we'll take a little break here. I think yeah. We'll, we'll take a little breather. Yeah. We'll uh we'll come back. Sure. We'll uh try to uh conduct ourselves properly and. Uh, and uh, we'll see how that works out. But uh, we'll uh, come back with final thoughts, scores out of 10, maybe a few other things before we wrap up the show. But uh, please stay tuned for a word from our sponsors, a little bit of music. And then on the flip side, we'll talk more Star Wars The Last Jedi. This is IPC.
Greetings, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey y'all, this is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? Continuing this discussion, this civil discussion of The Last Jedi, I'm sure... I love you, you love me, yeah, yeah this is a good thing. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all sitting around our campfire on Club Penguin singing Kumbaya. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't well, even know if, can't, if Club Penguin is still a thing. Is it still a thing? I believe they shut Club Penguin down. May it rest in peace. Oh, man, that's disappointing. If Club Penguin was an iceberg, the iceberg sank. Ouch. Uh, man, so many thoughts there, too. Because some of my favorite memes actually came from Club Penguin. Remember 321 Penguin? Oh, dude. Dude, I made a 321 Penguin's meme about a week or two ago. <laughs> wow, that is random. Yeah, I... I could get more into it, but that would be very derivative from what limited time we have left. So, going back to uh, The Last Jedi, we, we talked a lot about some of the, the primary characters. Didn't get a whole lot of time for the secondary characters. We might touch on them during our final thoughts or something like that. Um, because it, what, what's funny is this movie is supposed to be about the new generation, but we talked a lot about Luke and Leia. <laughs> right. So, I mean, what what what's what's going to be really interesting moving forward is, you know, how characters like Poe and Rey and Finn, you know, face some of their biggest challenges yet without the type of help that they've had from previous movies. Like Han's not around, Leia's going to be limited, Luke's not around. You know, is is Chewbacca going to become the new mentor and just roar at everybody about stuff? I who knows. Awesome. But but yeah. when we're talking mentors, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, I was rather surprised 
And and this is two years ago, mind you. This is long before we knew what the plot to episode nine was going to be. This was long before we knew who was going to be in it and stuff like we know now. But it was very surprising to me to see Supreme Leader Snoke get killed in this film. Because in The Force Awakens, it seemed as though he was going to be the big bad of this trilogy. And when he got killed off here, my first thought was, well, hell, now what? <laughs> um, yeah. my, my whole take, and I'll, I'll do this very quickly, but my whole take on Snoke is... Yeah, I think I think there's some disjointed stuff there. I think there is a, you know, I think obviously Snoke, I think, was going to be something more than what he ended up being. But ultimately, from the get go, I had to remind myself that this character was boring. He had a boring design and a boring, dumb name. And he was really just the Emperor (laughs) 2.0. And I had to remember how much Snoke really just does suck. Like, he's not that great of a character. <laughs> he never was. So my in retrospect, I'm like, I'm glad he's dead. I'm honestly, like, I'm glad he's dead. And I'm glad Emperor Palpatine's back. At least we got the real thing and not some rip-off version of it. Uh, Jake? Uh, yeah, Ben, you kind of summed it up for me. He, we we, we agree on something. Boring design. Yeah, it's such a boring design. Like, what what kind of choice is it to go, okay, let's take basically the design of just a really, like, ugly human and make him two feet taller than most people? And bam, that's our, that's our big design for the bad guy. I'm sorry, that's just stupid. And you're right, Snoke is a very <laughs> stupid name. Uh, but that's what we got. We got a stupid design and a stupid name. I think that's very well said. And uh, kind of a stupid, pointless storyline. I have no idea what the point of him being there was for, except for, except to be like, this is who seduced uh, Kylo Ren. You know, we needed somebody to do that. But I, I'm not really sure how he impacted the plot a whole lot besides like, yeah, he's behind Starkiller base and yeah, he's chasing the, the resistance, but why, why does he care? Where is he from? What do we know about Snoke that would make him interesting? Oh wait, nothing. So Snoke dying was kind of a welcome (laughs) thing for me. Like it was kind of nice to be like, okay, he's gone. Okay. We don't have to worry about him anymore. Uh, why were we worried about him in the first place? Um, on the same token, it would have been interesting to finally get him fleshed out uh, in the third or I'm sorry, the episode nine, um, which we still may, you know, we might get I'm assuming we'll get some sort of explanation from from uh, Sidious, but I don't know. And frankly, I don't care. And I really don't care about Snoke. He was like, he was one of those characters. I think that in the force awakens was supposed to, you know, when we heard about him, who was playing him, Andy circus, it generated generated a lot of excitement and buzz. It was like, okay, this is our new emperor. Didn't turn out to be that way at all. Very disappointing. Yeah. I, I won't get into it tonight, but I have, I have some major issues with just the, the, the whole like plot around Snoke and like how he was introduced and like how the first order was introduced and like, cause like, and just the sequel trilogy in general just has a political and a exposition problem in regards to like 
We don't know where the first order came from. We don't know where Snoke came from. It's not explained in the movies. It's really not even explained in the you know tertiary material. Um, and maybe Rise of School will fix that, but in the case of Force Awakens and Last Jedi, it is severely lacking in that department. Well, yeah, yeah, because it it seemed like they were just kind of isolated on Starkiller base, and they were just kind of starting to spread their influence. And then the opening scroll of The Last Jedi starts with this big phrase, The First Order Reigns! And I'm like, excuse me? When did this happen? Exactly! (laughs) How? When? Where? Why? Like, there there were just so many, like, intangibles that made me wonder, how did we go from... Hiding on Starkiller Base to Starkiller Base being destroyed to now reigning over the galaxy. Like, there's just there's a little bit of a disconnect there, just a little bit. Uh, yeah. But but my my I have I have two thoughts on Snoke, and they're and they're rather they're rather split actually, because in my opinion, I feel like he was actually one of the better written characters. The stuff that he said was interesting, and the way that he berated Kylo Ren in the beginning of the film actually kind of sent him down the path that made him who he was at the end of the film. He basically sealed his own fate by talking down to his apprentice in the beginning of the film, which led to his death at the end of the film. It w- it was an That was probably one of the yeah. few interesting pieces of character development in the whole film. The problem was it also gave us, like, very unexpected closure. I was not expecting to see him die. I was expecting to see him, you know, escape and survive into the third film, which didn't happen. So, kind of like a a catch-22 there. But as far as his design goes, if we're going to talk about the aesthetic, I think the only way I can really, you know, describe him is by actually borrowing a quote from one of my favorite superhero movies of all time, Deadpool. Weasel says to one Wade Wilson, you look like an avocado had sex with an older, more disgusting avocado. Not gently. (laughs) There was something wrong with the relationship, and that was the only catharsis that they could find without violence. Yeah. Well, speaking of Snoke, we we do have something that uh, directly relates to him. In regards to our quote of the night tonight. I, I, I pushed for this, by the way. I, I pushed for this. So if you don't like the quote, oh, no. you can blame me. I don't give a rat's ass. Um, no. It was it was it was a toss up between this and the the cave scene between Luke and Ray as he's kind of describing, you know, where he comes from and, and you know, uh like his his perspectives and stuff. But I just I, I find this particular scene so fascinating. It's it's like I said, after he berates Ben at the at the beginning of the film, he he now sees this quote unquote vision with Ray in the throne room of of of, uh, of what's going to happen and how things are gonna play out. And it shows that he's clearly not the Emperor because his vision was not as accurate as he believed it to be. And he basically more or less sealed his own fate with this uh, with this projection that he's got, with this vision that he's got, and uh, it's just it's very interesting. So I'm I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna shut up, and I'm gonna let you have a listen to it. It's his final words, apparently, 
and his fate is now sealed at the hands of one Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren. Ladies and gents, here's tonight's quote of the night. (laughs) I did not expect Skywalker to be so wise. We will give him and the Jedi Order the death he desires. After the rebels are gone, we will go to his planet and obliterate the entire island. Such spunk. Look here now. Transports. Soon they will all be gone. For you, all is lost. Oh, still that fiery spit of hope. You have the spirit of a true Jedi. <laughs> since resolve where there was weakness strength complete your training and fulfill your destiny I know what I have to do you think you can turn him Pathetic child. I cannot be betrayed. I cannot be beaten. I see his mind. I see his every intent. Yes. I see him turning the lightsaber to strike true. And now, foolish child, he ignites it. And kills his true enemy. Snoke is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Snoke is dead. Good riddance, I say, because now we get the actual big baddie of the franchise, the one who has been, you know, orchestrating things from The Phantom Menace all the way through Return of the Jedi, thought he was gone there, and then he shows up at the end of this trilogy. Like, they've been talking about how this is the end of the Skywalker saga, And it's just so appropriate that the end of the Skywalker saga should also hopefully be the end of the Sheev Palpatine saga as well. Because, I mean, he's kind of been the the main orchestrator of everything that's happened in these trilogies up to this point. 
So I, I'm I'm glad that he's back, but I'll be more glad when he's gone for good. Yeah, Palpatine's first words in the Rise of Skywalker are going to be, "Bye, Felicia. <laughs> See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Cut I, in half." Right. Well, I mean. <laughs> Plenty of characters have been cut in half, and they survive. Look at Darth Maul. That is true. And also, as we've learned with Palpatine, getting thrown down a shaft also does not mean anything. So Down a shaft? Are we British now? <laughs> I say, I went on a date with this woman, and she completely gave me the shaft. It was deplorable. I'll drop you down my shaft. I'm just kidding. Um, we're, just, <laughs> we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. <laughs> We are not going to go there. Okay, so real quick, before we jump into final thoughts, what do you, I mean, we're, we're now at the precipice now. We're, we're, we're here. This is, this is the ground floor. We are looking at our next Star Wars discussion will be the Rise of Skywalker. What are we thinking now? What was it our expectations? What are we wanting from this film? Um, me personally, I'm trying not to have any expectations. I just want to go in, enjoy it, not have a bunch of expectations. But, like, Jake, is there one thing you want out of Rise of Skywalker? You know, looking back at all the films we discussed, especially after Last Jedi, what it leaves off, where do we go from here? I just want a good conclusion to this trilogy. I want a good conclusion to this trilogy of trilogies. And I want a good script that knows what to do with its characters that gives people like Finn and Rose and, you know, all these other characters their due and gives them justice. And um, I just want to see I want to see something that not only the writers, but the the filmmakers, the, the director uh, the actors that they all bring everything that they've got to make an amazing story. That is absolutely fair. And I can only hope that, and that's the thing is like my worry, my biggest worry probably is with this film is like, you know, if they're putting so much emphasis on, this is the last of the Skywalker saga, like please deliver on that. Please give us a good ending because if they promise that, and it doesn't work out, people are going to be disappointed. It's just the way it is. Um, so I'm hoping they deliver on that. But, Zach, what, what are your, how are you feeling now about Rise of Skywalker? We're just 13 days away probably around there from this movie. We've talked about all these movies. Now what are you wanting from this upcoming film? Oh, man, I, I'm kind of in a similar boat to you guys where I don't really want to have a whole lot of expectations. I just want to do my best to enjoy it for what it is because I didn't really do that with The Last Jedi. Like, I openly Same. admit that. I, I openly admit to that. And I still can't really look at that movie objectively, but I have the opportunity to look at Rise of Skywalker objectively. And I really don't want to do a whole lot that could potentially ruin that. My biggest hope is that we we get some final clarity on Ray's lineage, if she has any at all. I'm hoping that she does. And I, I know that that's kind of a cliche answer. So my one creative answer that I'm going to give is I would like 
to have a a big lightsaber sequence that ends up determining the the fate of the galaxy like this is a literal fight for the soul of the Star Wars universe happening between you know a couple to a few final remaining people and during that fight sequence we hear remnants or or even repetition of the Phantom Menace's Duel of the Fates because yep. this is supposed to round out the the entire storyline and to me that's kind of how the storyline got quote unquote started was with Duel of the Fates yep. and so I think it would be appropriate that that be a way that you try and round it out is to play something reminiscent of that during an actual duel of the fate of the galaxy. I am 100%. I, that there, there, I 100% agree with you. Hey, one place. One place <laughs> that that happened. <laughs> okay, so I think we are down to our final thoughts and our scores out of 10. And... Jacob Damon, I'm going to let you lead it off. You're seem to me more the most level-headed person here tonight. Um so I want to get your take um in regards well, to I don't know about that. <laughs> we'll see about that. Um final thoughts and score yeah. <laughs> planet score out of 10 for Star Wars the Last Jedi. Uh final thoughts. It's a very divisive divisive however you say that film even for myself and i can't seem to come like i can't seem to make up my mind as to what what i actually think about it but overall for what it is i think i think i'm gonna give it like a 6.5 out of 10 just because there's so much with it that i'm like really they did that and then there's so much with it where I'm like, wow, they did that. That's amazing. So it's kind of split down the middle, but airing on the on the side. Like if this was Rotten Tomatoes, it would it would be fresh for me, but just barely. So yeah, <laughs> six point five. That is fair. All right, Zach. This is this is it. Where do you stand? Final thoughts. Score out of ten. Uh, I'm I'm curious. What are you expecting my score to be? Four, maybe. Uh, uh, five, conservatively. Three. <laughs> I, uh, I'm scared he's going to pull a two on us. And just, like, completely skew the entire planet score. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think I'm going to give it a two. Like I said uh, at, the, at the top of the program, there were things this time around that I came to enjoy uh, a, a lot more than I did previous times. Uh, the costumes, the set design, the locations, the shot selection, cinematography. Um, there was some witty humor in there that I might have found cliche before, but I found myself laughing at this time, uh, particularly when Poe's pretending to be on hold for general hugs at the beginning of the film. I believe he's tooling you, sir. Like, it, it just, that honestly sounds like something I would do. So I, I found that one a little bit more entertaining this time around. 
Uh, but for all of those things, the humor, John Williams's music, cinematography, costuming, for all of that, I still have so many complaints that I didn't even get to. <laughs> like, um, the the lack of the Knights of Ren is a big deal for me. Like, Kylo's supposed to be the master yeah. of the Knights of Ren, and they're not there? Uh, okay. Uh, I, I think I think JJ's got you covered in the next movie. I think I I feel like he does, but I kind of wanted it to happen in like in all three movies, and that didn't happen. Uh, the writing didn't really care for a lot of the writing, even with some of the witty humor. There were a few lines that were really great, and a few that made me cringe. So it was kind of a mixed bag at best. The whole plot about how you're quote unquote running out of time. You've got 18 hours of fuel left. You've got six hours of fuel left. Two hours of fuel left. Like, we've been on time crunches like that before in this universe. And I was like, are we really going down that path again? Apparently so. Um, I am in the dislike Porgs camp. Didn't care for him. How (laughs) dare you? Don't don't like him. That's something I disagree with you about now. Don't like him. Don't like them. I would much rather have actual puffins in there than have porgs. The only reason the porgs existed is because they were protected on Skellig Michael and they couldn't like CGI them out, so they just superimposed the images of porgs over Earth puffins. Apparently, the cast yeah. agrees with you because recently, and and even before this, uh, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega both gone on record to say that they hate the porgs too. So I mean, it's it's it, it seemed like a like a convenient cop out that they turned into a merchandising gambit, and it was just like, okay, this is Disney commercialism at its worst. No, thank you. Uh, and then the the rise of the First Order was rather ambiguous. Wasn't really sure how they went from losing their big base to becoming preeminent powers in the galaxy. Like that just that didn't make sense to me. And Gwendolyn Christie. You know, she was very underutilized in this movie. She was underutilized in the last movie, too. I've seen her in Game of Thrones. I know what that badass is capable of. And they they cast her just because she's a tall woman, basically. Like, mm-hmm. give her give her a little more screen time. Let her show what she can do. But that doesn't seem like that's going to happen either. And then it's the finale. It just it took too long to actually finish this film. It's like, oh, is the, the, the last scene going to be the throne room scene? Nope. What about the evacuation to Crate? Nope. Uh, the, the showdown with Luke? Nah. We're going to drag that a little bit more beyond that, too. Like, it just it just kept going and going and going. And I was like, okay, this would have been a good place to cut it off. This would have been a good place to cut it off. This would have been a good place to cut it off. And just never happened. And then the time that they do decide to cut it off is with these kids. Broom boy, as he's known as now, apparently. Like, didn't care for Canto Bite at all, honestly. Didn't really like anything about Canto Bite. But that's a whole nother conversation. Um, my 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 cons just outweigh my pros, unfortunately. They they really really do. The the cinematography is great and for those visual components and for John Williams' score and for the sake of the classic characters that remained in this film, I can't bring it to a 
you know, like a five or a below. But this is easily going to be one of the lowest rated Star Wars films, if not the lowest rated Star Wars film I'm ever going to give. Uh, it's it's probably and this is this is generous for me. I don't think I really rate stuff below a seven very often, um, but this one is getting a six out of ten. That, oh, wow. that that seems that seems appropriate, based on everything you said tonight. <laughs> based based on based on what I've said and how I've said it and how passionately I feel about this, I I feel like I can't justify a seven and even a six point five seems a little too high. A five seems too low. So this is this is about where I can stand. It's a mixed bag full of mixed reviews and mixed elements and it's going to have a a mixed slash lower rating that is it's very interesting fair. we have very close uh, scores but for completely different reasons <laughs> yeah yeah everybody has different ways of doing it and now here comes ben with like a like an 8.5 or a 9 or something like that don't put and... words in my mouth because <laughs> no. i might do it because I was thinking of a lower score, and then you said you both said yours. I'm like, I need to bump mine up a little bit. So uh, the, the law the law of averages requires it now. Right, right. It's it's funny. It's I'm I'm basically peer pressuring myself into doing this. But <laughs> overall, like I said, I have issues with this movie. In fact, if, if you guys have listened to the Star Wars Marvel podcast for any length of time, or at least back when we discussed this movie in detail. You know, there's a lot of things. I can get me on the right subject, and I can sound like I hate this movie um, because I have issues with it. I have a lot of issues with it. I didn't cover them as much because, you know, I, I have to deal with these guys and I have to explain how wrong they are. So I don't have time to talk about what I don't like. I have to describe what they it's just It's just a whole thing. But for, for the record here, there's a lot I, I don't care for. There's some things that still don't sit right with me. Um... But overall, the good overwhelmingly outweighs the bad. And I, I don't watch this movie and go, oh, I don't like this, I don't like that. I just enjoy it. And that's what works for me. Um, and there's just so many good ideas. And I can go, I can say the same thing about Attack of the Clones. That movie, realistically, is a mess. But I love it. It's a beautiful mess. <laughs> And I, I, I hate compare because I think Last Jedi is a much better film than any of the prequels. Um, I know a lot of people probably disagree with me there. But I think overall, I don't know, I think it, it hits the right places. I think it was going in the right direction. It, it, it does stumble in places. I think certain character arcs, like I said, Finn's arc is a bit weird. Um, yeah, realistically, Holdo probably could have just told... Poe the, the plot or, or you know the whole plan like that could have happened I do kind of just like those whole things with movies where like characters just won't talk to each other and that creates a problem I get why she didn't tell him but at the same time it's it's an issue that kind of bugs me still but I'm not going to let it bug me in regards to genuinely loving this film and appreciating it for what it is and I, I'm, I'm going to give it a solid Eight point zero. Okay. I mean, uh, I I I disagree, but I'm sure you would expect nothing less. I disagree with your disagreement. That's that's fair. Well, <laughs> no, that that's 
that's a I think that's a good score. Like I think all these scores, they're not the worst ever, but they're not like ten out of ten, you know? Yeah, I mean we, we know for a fact that this movie is not a ten out of ten. <laughs> but right. it's also I not. Thought it was it's when also came out of the theater. Can we agree on this? It's not a zero either. No, I don't think it's a zero. I think there's a lot of good in here to glean from, and there's there's also a lot of uh, cringeworthy stuff See, too. That's kind of why I'm in the middle of the room. Ultimately, I think that's what's so tiring about the endless debate about last year is that you can't pick. You can't go down the middle. You either have to. Hate it with all your well-being, or you have to love it like it's the best film ever created. And that's just not true. Like, you can have nuance to your opinion. I think we all three, regardless of where we stand, we all have nuances. We all have things we like and dislike. And that's a normal movie opinion. Saying, this sucks, this is the worst thing ever, that's not normal. You're just, you're just, that's just hyperbole. Like, that's just ridiculous. And 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 the same token, the you know, whole it's, it's, yeah, no, it is definitely not the worst movie ever. That title still belongs to one movie titled Zombies. Yeah, as long as Zombies exists. You stole my joke. It's my you stole movie. My joke. I was no, but I was gonna say the opposite. I was gonna say there's no way it can be the best movie ever because that, of course, is Zombies. <laughs> you were heading to the you heading to the one area, but you're coming at it completely different directions. <laughs> that's great well I mean we have Zach was being literal I was being sarcastic <laughs> we, we have to make our weekly mention of that movie it wouldn't be an episode of IPC without our weekly mention of Zombies I need to I need to yeah. reach out to the director um, who I... mentioned me on Twitter who called out to me because I made a joke about his movie I didn't know what to respond to him I should just invite him on the show like and Dude. I want I want yes. I wa- I want to be real with him. I don't want to be like, "Oh, your movie's terrible." I'm like, "Dude, like seriously, your movie is so bad it's good." And we appreciate it for how bad it is. Like, I want to know what they were smoking so I can find their dealer. Exactly. It has to happen. So, I don't even know what the guy's name is, but yeah, did, I need to dad these to happen. Oh, they made a second one? I heard about that. I bought it, Zoom. but I just I haven't watched it yet. I kind of want to bring both of them with me to L.A. so that we can watch them together. I was going to say, you need to bring them. You need to bring them. Yes. There's people There's people in our party out there that have not seen the first Zombies. And if we get a chance, oh, man, they're in for a treat. Oh, dude, yeah, because we were waiting on Chris, so Chris hasn't watched it. You're right. He hasn't seen it. Oh, my God. And- and I don't think Nick has seen it, and I don't think Celine has seen it, and I'm pretty sure there's at least another person or two that hasn't seen it. So that that would make for a really interesting night. That would be absolutely amazing. We just need – or maybe next year when we don't have a Star Wars movie, we'll just do this anyway. We'll just go someplace, and we'll watch Zombies instead of a Star Wars movie. Oh, my gosh. So much, so so many possibilities, and so little time. I still can't, I still can't believe you guys didn't invite me on to talk about it. Remember that time you guys talked about Zombies? Oh, that was, that was our inaugural episode of RIPC. We'll do another one. Don't worry yeah. about that. It definitely won't be the last one we do. It's we haven't right. been doing as many of them. I don't think we did a single RIPC episode in 2019, and we need to do better than that. Yeah, we need to bring so. that back. Be be looking for that in uh, in 2020, folks. We are going to try and bring that back. Uh, you have my word. Uh, it's just a scheduling thing. 
But now that we have three hosts on the show and people that are interested in cussing up a storm at stuff, um, it'll probably happen. It'll probably happen. So, be Fork ready. yeah. <laughs> okay, have you guys seen The Good Place? Fork you, yeah, I have. No. The, the TV show? So, it's an, it's an NBC show, so obviously it's like, it's got to be censored. And it's set in this quote-unquote the good place which is like you know the this television eyes version of heaven or whatever and there's like this character that wants to curse but she can't because she's in the good place and so like her way of cussing it, it gets modified like it gets automatically mo- modified and she says stuff like mother forking shirt balls <laughs> And it's glorious, and it's hilarious, and it's got Ted Danson in it from Cheers. So go watch it; it's a great show. I yeah, I need to. I'm I'm legitimately a want to get on board with that show because I've heard it's great. It, it 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 builds on itself though. That's the problem. You can't just pick it up like at any random time. You've got to start from the beginning and like binge it. But binges are not impossible for us. That is that has been proven time and time again. Absolutely not. Okay, so. What do we got up next? Is it time for that little segment that we've been oh, waiting for? That, that, that little that little part of the show that we do every week? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I I believe you're right, sir. Yeah. Uh, so uh, who want who wants to do the spiel? Who who wants to who wants to set this up? Get out those hashtags, everyone. Everybody on Twitter, everybody on Instagram, everybody on Facebook. Get out those hashtags, cause it's time for. Hashtag barbecue watch. Barbecue. 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 I need to go to Hobby Lobby and buy that Yeehaw plaque that I saw. Oh, that exists? Yeah, I took a picture of it. I tweeted it a few months ago. Oh, I got, I got the picture. I must I must have missed that. I'm My gonna, bad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go find the picture because I saw it the other day, and I'm going to post it in our chat, and then uh, I might go buy it. <laughs> I think it would be worth it. Yeah. I think it would totally be worth it. What are we going to talk uh, about in this one? Well, that's the thing. I don't know if we really have a topic for tonight, but the uh, the cool thing is we've got some live listeners here on channel1138.com, so I may just toss it to you guys. I know George is listening, I know Ransom is still listening, and JD has joined the fun. Uh, if you guys have something in particular in mind... Uh, then by all means, send it our way. Ask us questions pertaining to, to foodieisms and barbecue and things like that. And uh, we'll answer it right here, right now on the program. Because here's the deal. Um, next week's episode could very well end up becoming the most barbecue-centric episode we've ever had on this show. Yeah... Now, that, that that's just a tease but the reason why I'm going to yield it to the floor this evening is because next week we've got a ton 
of barbecue related stuff for you that's going to be really fun really awesome and uh very well thought out but tonight i I mean if you guys in the chat can't think of anything that's great that's fine we'll just talk about barbecued pork if we have to but i'm I'm curious if you guys have any like barbecue related questions for us because i'd love to try and answer them ben works at a barbecue restaurant i live in texas so barbecue food just kind of comes naturally to me jake i think it's pretty safe to classify you as a foodie so i mean all of us all of us approach this from like different aspects of food consumption but it's all kind of like a a similar mind frame so if you've got something you want us to talk about awesome put it in the chat if you don't have anything we'll just kill time by talking about barbecued pork in the meantime we saw them roasted on a spit by Chewbacca. What would you think about trying to slow cook them? Cute porgs roasting on an open fire. I'm sorry, I just had to do that. Oh, uh, man. Banthas? No, not going to do that. I'm not going to say banthas. Distracting you while the Tusken Raiders are right behind you. Oh, uh, man, that's that's an episode of The Mandalorian for you. Which, by the way, they can use sign language? What? That was awesome. Apparently. Spoiler alert. Well, see, that whole episode, a lot of people didn't catch this, but that whole episode was like an homage to John Wayne's The Searchers, sort of. And there's a big scene in that where they look over the ridge, see some Indians, or Native Americans, uh, down uh, on the lower level there, just like in The Mandalorian, and they kind of get ambushed but talk to each other and they they communicate sort of like that you know it's funny thing i just thought about with this episode is the fact that the mandalorian is a very violent guy he has you know he he literally like takes out a bunch of jawas because they tried to steal his ship or destroy his ship um you know he responds to a lot of problems with violence but when he comes in contact with tuscan raiders his response is the exact opposite. And Tusken Raiders are known for being very violent, for pretty much attacking anyone and everyone and, and just being straight-up savages sometimes. That's an interesting dynamic to yeah. kind of turn on its head and go like, yeah, they just kind of have a conversation and they, they make it do. And, you know, Mandalorian, you'd think he would just go through their lamp. Like, he respects them enough to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to trade with them and, you know, make sure they're well, cool with this. I think I think he respects them as warriors and he probably doesn't have that kind of respect for Jawas. Like he knows what a Tuscan's prowess in battle would be and he chooses not to get into that fight if he doesn't have to. He he also knows that he's been up against like 50 Jawas and they whooped his ass. So Right. Like going up against Tuscan Raiders is a completely different story. Maybe he knows he doesn't want to pick that battle. Right, right, and so he tries to find another way out of it. So there's there's other ways to win a fight outside of just trying to blast your way through things. So the ultimate question here is, how would the Mandalorian eat a barbecued porg without taking his helmet off? Uh, I would say he takes that spit that Chewie was using and just kind of sticks it up the helmet. <laughs> or oh, he'll, like... Or, or you, you slow cook it and you pull, like, bits and pieces of the meat off and just kind of stuff it up the helmet. 
or you know he just puts it all in a blender and uh, just sticks that straw. Drinks you know, it like a smoothie. Yeah. He could do that. I am of the opinion that he should like get on the monkey bars and like hang upside down from the monkey bars and have Baby Yoda try and drop it into his helmet. That you know, it's funny. Like hanging upside down, his helmet would fall off. Like, what happens if he just loses his helmet? Like, does he get in trouble for that? Does that even count? Uh. Maybe, but I think it's more about having it removed during combat, that you, like, lose your honor for losing it in a fight. Because right. he takes it off in episode four when he's in the hut by himself. So right. it's not like he loses honor by taking it off in, in solitude. It's more about losing it in the presence of others, particularly in combat. But what if he's on the monkey bars upside down and there's a bunch of people around him and the helmet comes off? What's he do? Well, what's he doing on the monkey bars in the first place? I don't know. I don't. I didn't put him on the monkey bars. You did. <laughs> I put him on there for meal consumption purposes. Yeah, because Not... that's the best place to eat barbecue is on monkey bars. I've never had barbecue on the monkey bars before. You don't know. It could be awesome. I, I, I'm not, I can't argue with that. <laughs> this is one of those conversations where I just back off and watch it happen. <laughs> well, this is this is something this is something that that you can be a part of, Jake. We actually got a question from Jeremy Dove in the Channel 1138 chat. I'm gonna read it out for you guys and and get your thoughts on it. And this is how we'll uh, we'll close out the evening. Uh, he says, every summer we have a rib festival that tours Ontario. I go every year, and the first thing I look for is beef ribs. Almost impossible to find. Everybody's got pork, and everybody says they're sold out of beef when I get there. Usually I can only find one vendor who still has some beef left. My friends always encourage me to just eat pork ribs as they're cheaper and so easy to find, but I find beef to be the far superior option. Also, I believe the barbecue industry, or quote-unquote big BBQ, if you will, is pushing pork on us all due to gratuitous profit margins on pork. Your thoughts? He is correct that uh, what he's saying is that beef is more expensive, which it is um, these days. Um, yeah, it's it's it, there's a big margin between pork and beef, whereas it used to be kind of they used to be kind of comparable, um, which sucks. And speaking from my restaurant experience, um, at least in Mississippi, pork far outsells beef by a long shot. Um, we sell. I don't know how many, probably at least a few million pork sandwiches by now. Um, not near half as many beef sandwiches. For whatever reason that is, it might be different in Texas. I'm sure it is different in Texas because they love their beef. And brisket. we all know that. Brisket is kind of king in Texas. And, and so far from what I've noticed, thankfully, when you're when you're getting like dinner plates and stuff, it's really that the prices change based on how many meats you get, not the type of meat that you get. So yeah. like uh, around here, our barbecue restaurants have like one meat, two meat and three meat plates. And like a one meat can be like eleven ninety nine with two sides or something like that. But if you get two meats, it can go as high as like thirteen ninety nine or something like that. So it really has to do with the with the quantity and not the type, but I find it fascinating that, uh, that it would be, you know, uh, costing more or that you'd be running out of it more at places like these events. 
uh, Jeremy's follow-up question is, isn't beef generally considered to be superior? As a meat, yes, but if we're strictly talking barbecue, pork is the superior meat. I, I would I would disagree to that. <laughs> just, just because of how how big into like chopped brisket I am. Me like, me I think I I think the perception is that pork at least outside of Texas that pork is the predominant meat whereas anywhere outside of barbecue you have steaks, you have ground beef tacos, beef is everywhere. Yeah. Beef is beef is king. But when it comes to when it comes to barbecue it's generally pork ribs. It's generally pork sandwiches, pulled pork. That's what people associate with it. I don't know why that is. It's just that pork is a more maybe popular meat to, um, you know, barbecue. Um, well, but it, you know, I beef. Think... say beef in the same way. And you go to Texas, and it's a huge deal. And yeah, I love beef too. I I love my personal favorite is pork. Well, okay, but here's here's the other thing, and this ties into Jeremy's question, is, um. The, the the second part of the question is like I believe the barbecue industry is pushing pork on us due to the gratuitous profit margins on pork. To to answer that portion of your question specifically, Jeremy, I would agree to that because as far as a a production and then consumption, the supply and demand of it all is concerned, I think barbecue industries do have a higher profit margin from that because pork is just cheaper to purchase yeah that's absolutely a fact yeah it's it's cheaper to purchase and then it you can you can sell it for about as much as you would for beef and you'd get a wider profit margin than you would be from selling the beef for a similar price because you're paying more for the beef on the back end so yes i i do think that that industry is is pushing heavy on the on the pork and that's why it is such a popular thing among the barbecue industry is because barbecue restaurants now recognize it's cheaper to buy the pork and we get higher profits from selling the pork so if we push the pork and we sell people those pork ribs then that's the thing they're going to pay attention to and we don't have to buy as much beef and we're not losing that money in the beef because we're selling so much pork yeah Mm -hmm. so here here's here's a little tidbit that i found interesting i I learned this from somebody who works in the in the restaurant industry um do you know why the mcrib is so like scattered all over the place like it never comes like at the same time every year Mm, no they really mm-hmm. only bring back the quote unquote seasonal McRib when the prices on pork are bottoming out. Makes sense. <laughs> and considering how big McDonald's is, it probably has an effect on that when it that does. happens. It does. And so it, it's not like a yearly thing where like every September they're like, Oh, the McRib is back, the McRib is back. Like it's a different time <clears throat> of year each year based on how the food industry is projecting what the prices of the meats are going to be. When pork starts bottoming out and it hits an all-time low, then that's when they invest in the pork and start selling the McRib. They get it for bottom dollar, sell it for you know two bucks at a drive-thru or whatever, and they still get a big profit margin off of it because they're getting it for bottom dollar. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, 
one final follow-up before we call it tonight. This has been an excellent discussion, by the way, Jeremy. Thank you for presenting this. This is this has been an awesome barbecue segment. He says, I think this also explains the cultural fetishization of bacon over the last 20 years. <laughs> I agree You're with that. not entirely wrong. <laughs> I'm craving bacon now. Thanks a lot, J.D. You know what? I, I'm going to say this right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stand, and then we'll close it out for the night. I like bacon. I like bacon as a side with my breakfast. I like it on my burger. I'm actually not that big of a fan of bacon outside of that. I'm not. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. want. I don't want. Me and you both. Eat, I don't want to eat like mounds of bacon. I'm not mouth watering over bacon. I know I'm a weirdo, you know. But that's just me. At, at the risk of turning an, uh, uh, turning this into an argument that rivals the Last Jedi, um, I I gotta agree with you, Ben. Like I like it on stuff and in stuff. Sometimes I'll eat the the lone piece of bacon, but it's not a go-to meal for me, and I've never gotten the hype behind it. It hurts that you you have to get bacon cooked right too, and most of the time it's not. Yeah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> You're fine, I to, Zachary. Had to had to bring that out at, at at least one point. Had to had to get out my little sound effects. Oh man, this has been a roller coaster of a night. Are we still friends, guys? I hate I you. Think so. You hate me. We're a dysfunctional family. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all in good fun here on the IPC podcast. Uh, thank you to those who joined us in the live chat tonight. Everybody from Ransom to JD, Jay Winkworth chimed in, George, a loyal listener as always. A uh, lot of fun having you guys listening live. Thank you to everybody that listens online as well. Everything from Apple Podcasts to Google Play, StarWarsUnderworld.com, and don't forget our hosting site, IPCPodcast.Podbean.com. And you can find links to all of that on StarWarsUnderworld.com. So we're just all over the place, and it's awesome. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rate and review, and uh, be sure to be ready for next week's episode, which will be very heavy on the barbecue segment. Early reviews are coming in and already saying that our topic of conversation for next week is really, really good and really, really funny. Um, It's going to be like a, a brief top five episode. And then the back end is going to be talking about barbecue from the perspective of one particular person. If you subscribe to Disney Plus, then you know what we are talking about. If you don't have Disney Plus, I would suggest getting the week's trial and watching a certain show called The World According to Jeff Goldblum. That is what we will be referencing on next week's episode. And it's promising so far to shape up to be a lot of fun. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yes. Well, guys, it's been a it's been a crazy night. It's been a long night, but it's been a fun night too. Just getting to collaborate and bounce ideas off of each other, talk about a movie, talk about barbecue, and uh, I'm looking forward to next week as well. But uh, in the meantime, where can the folks at home keep up with what you're doing, Jake? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jake Damon. You can also find me on Instagram at Jake W. Damon. And that is pretty much it right now. Except for here. 
Oh yeah, you can also find me co-hosting. I mean, they're they're here though. You don't have to promote IPC. People already know about IPC because they're listening right now, so it's okay. Exactly. Well, exactly. just come. Just make sure you come back so you don't miss out on the epicness that is Jake Damon. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There you go. Uh, ben, what about you, man? For me, you can, as I say, uh, you can pretty much find everything I do over on StarWarsUnderworld.com. You can follow me personally on social media at Ben Hart with no E on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I don't actually promote these enough, but uh, also listen in addition to the Star Wars Normal podcast, which I'm on weekly, um, listen to Radio Razorcrest and Kazutacast, which is uh, the Star Wars Underworld's uh, The Mandalorian Show and Star Wars Resistance Show. We talk about each and every episode of both those series on those shows, and it's been a lot of fun. I missed the last couple because I was on vacation, but I'm going to be on, hopefully, be on Radio Razorcrest and uh, Kazutacast in the next uh few days so that's gonna be a lot of fun and i can't wait to talk about that mandalorian episode in effort and i also i gotta get these two guys at least on radio razor crest so uh, i'm sure they'll be showing up at some point i think actually we're gonna be doing some stuff in california <laughs> kind of a crazy uh um some crazy stuff happening because there's gonna be episodes coming out I while we're there anything in california and whose fault is that no one's My job's fault that's true yes Yes, we'll blame it on Jake's job and not Jake. That's, it's all my job's fault. Just the fault of uh, needing money to survive. Oh, man. Yes. Taxation is theft. There, I said it. Uh, wow, Joel. okay. That's one way to end this night. <laughs> yeah, I, how do you like those roads that you drive on, Zachary? <laughs> Must be nice not to, you know, have to drive through the dirt. I didn't, know, I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know Zach was one of those sovereign citizens. Oh, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to see my ramblings on social media, go find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Z A C underscore D F W. Uh, I'm also working on a local project called the Voice of Colt Varsity. It's uh, some sports broadcasting that you can find out about on uh, Facebook and Twitter at Zach the Voice. That's Z A C H the Voice. Football season just ended, but basketball season is here, and I might be doing some of that. And uh, baseball season is just like a month or two away, so still lots to come from that end of things. And uh, hopefully I'll be making some guest appearances on some other podcasts, particularly Radio Razorcrest, Fandom City, and things like that. So uh, be sure to keep up with all of them as well in addition to finding us right here at the IPC on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC Podcast. We do our best to stay up to date over there as well. But uh, I think I think we've finally reached the end of the line, fellas, have we not? That's it. I think I just think so. just close it up it, get before close. it goes any further. And, 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 book and, and end things at almost three hours in length, including the little break that we had in the middle of all of this. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, you have no idea what we're talking about. But or, or if you if you just keep listening after the music you're about to hear, you might get an idea. <laughs> oh boy, Ben's about go. to work his magic, folks. So stay tuned to that, and be sure to stay tuned for next week's episode. It's going to be a Disney Plus uh, Jeff Goldblum barbecue themed episode as we lead into our last 
discussion before we end up talking about the rise of Skywalker. But that's going to do it for tonight's episode. Going to officially put episode 265 to bed. For Jake Damon and Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in. We hope that you'll tune in next week. But until that time comes around, we just want to leave you with this final thought. You must trust others or success is impossible. And we trust that we'll see you next week right here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone.
one minute and 18 seconds we're going to be on the room. One minute and 18 seconds. Okay, uh, Jake, uh, Jeremy says that he's got Moana stuck in his head now. I think we should help yes. him with that. I think we... I don't know how. Uh, well, I say we bring up the, the You're Welcome lyrics, and we try and see who can do the better uh, freestyle rap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do it. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? 46 <coughs> seconds. All right. Do you have the lyrics up, or should I go first? Uh, you go first. Okay. You bring up the You're Welcome lyrics and go to the part where it starts with this okay, line. Okay, you know what? I'll go first. I'll go first. Okay. Wait, wait what am I starting with? The, the the rap portion. Okay. Uh, let's see. Where does it start? Come to think of it. Uh, well, come to think of it, kid. Honestly, I can go on and on. I can explain every natural phenomenon. The tide, the grass, the ground. Oh, that was just Maui messing around. I killed a eel. I buried his guts. Sprouted a tree. Now you got coconuts. What's the lesson? What is the takeaway? Don't mess with Maui when he's on the breakaway. And the tapestry here on my skin is a map of the victories that, that I win. Uh, sorry, I'm adding words. Look what I look where I've been. I've made, I make everything happen. Look at the mini Maui just tippity tapping. I can't do it fast. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, All right, time out. We're out of time. No, it's my turn now. You got 30 seconds. Oh, I can do it in 20. Well, come to think of it. Kid, honestly, I could go on and on. I could explain every natural phenomenon. The tide, the grass, the ground. Oh, that was Bowie just messing around. I killed a eel. I buried its guts. Sprouted a tree. Now you got coconuts. What's the lesson? What is the takeaway? Don't mess with Bowie when he's on the breakaway. And the tapestry here on my skin is a map of the victories I win. Look where I've been. I make everything happen. Look at that mini-me Maui just tippity-tapping. Ha, 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 hey! Woo, and the winner is... What can I say except you're welcome? Maybe this should just be the show. <laughs> we just need to leave this in. We just need to do yeah, a... this is this is okay, now I've decided this is this is going in the show at some point. Um <laughs> post credit yeah, scene. I gotta have yes. post credit scene, so this is gonna be it. Um it's gonna be so random and so uncalled for, but we have it. Um I blame Jeremy. So, so Snoke is dead. 